Hi, you're listening to Ice World Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Taylor. Seals from space. How do you go about spotting something that's two meters long from space from an orbiting satellite? I'm here with Prem Gill, and Prem's going to tell us about some of the work he's doing on this very subject. Prem, welcome to the show. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here at Rothera Research Station. So Prem, tell us a little bit how you got involved in this uh, project. How did it all start off for you? Okay, so um, a few years ago I was looking at potential PhD options and um, I have a background in marine geography so I was already interested in the sort of marine side of things and I had done a dissertation where I was using um, GIS mapping and satellite data to create a open source model to basically map where you have areas of biodiversity in the ocean. Um, So I wanted to sort of carry on utilizing my skill set, which was a bit of programming, a bit of satellite data analysis, a GIS, and with application towards marine conservation. And then I saw a PhD advertised at the University of Cambridge with the British Antarctic Survey, in which it was essentially um, using satellites to study seals from space. And um, it sort of looked like it was the dream PhD tailored to my CV. So I very excitedly applied and I was very lucky to be offered the uh, scholarship to do that PhD. And uh, yeah, two years later, I'm in Rothera looking at Antarctic seals up close and personal. So what does that involve at the moment? You're here for how long? I'm here just for two weeks. Um, I'm pretty much at the end of my two weeks. I fly out on Monday and today is Saturday evening. So yeah, I'm pretty much at the end of my little fieldwork project. Great. And what have you been doing for the last two weeks then? So for the last two weeks, I have been walking around with a very, very big backpack which has got a five meter pole. And on the end of that five meter pole are a bunch of sensors. One is to collect, um, one is to measure all the light that is reflected of various objects. In this case, it's measuring the light that's reflected off different Antarctic seals. And the other is just a thermal camera to take infrared imagery. And uh, I've been walking around with uh, my sort of supervisors, field guides and volunteers to go around and find different seals and just take thermal images and measure the light that's reflected off them. So what's to stop us using regular satellite imagery that the human eye can interpret to count seals and get an idea for the population? uh, What is it about thermal imagery that makes that better? So... The base of my PhD is using this very high resolution satellite imagery. And when we say very high resolution, what we mean is uh, a resolution in which each pixel is less than a meter. So in my case, I'm using satellite images with a 30 centimeter resolution per pixel. And just to give you a bit of context, that means if you were to leave a laptop out in Antarctica, we would be able to see it in our satellite images. That also means you can see seals, you can see baby seals, and you can even see blood on the sea ice from where a seal has given birth. However, if you have rocks which are a similar shape to the seals and found in you know similar locations along the coast, it can be really, really tricky to tell the difference between seals and rocks because essentially you're just looking at two black blobs on a white background. And this is where this fieldwork project comes into it because... um. 
to the human eye is really difficult to tell the difference as I've mentioned but if you're using a field spectrometer which is what I've been carrying around um, for my field work and you measure the light that's reflected off seals perhaps in ranges of light uh, in, in wavelengths of light which are invisible to the human eye such as UV and infrared there may be certain um, characteristic signatures which are unique to different seal species and also help us uh, differentiate seals from landscape features such as rocks and melt pools and shadows um, and if that's the case then you sort of don't have to rely on what these two black blobs look like just to the human eye but you can begin to analyze um, what you think may be a rock or a seal in different wavelengths which are invisible to the human eye and go ah well the the uh, sort of reflectance of this object is very characteristic of a Weddell seal or a Crabby seal for example so it's just a way of validating whether something's a seal or a rock which is extremely difficult to do with just um, human eyes alone it's essentially expanding our range of what we can see to help us identify different species and what's seal and what is not seal. So the work that you're doing at the moment, and I want to come back to this, this is going to go into a bigger project by yourself, mm-hmm. which is looking at from space how we can count how many seals there are in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So uh, a big issue we have when it comes to the study of Antarctic seals is um, despite the fact that they have the largest population sizes of um, any of the groups of seals, uh, a big issue is simply due to the fact that they live within the sea ice zone it's extremely difficult expensive and dangerous to study these species that means um, we have a really poor understanding of the population size as well as their habitat preference and it's really critical that we understand um, we get a baseline of the population to see if it's going up or down as well as an understanding of what exact habitat preferences they may have because in the coming decades Uh, sea ice which is the habitat they live breed um, and rest upon and they use for foraging that's going to be declining critically in the coming decades so we really need to get an understanding of how they utilize that habitat before it starts to disappear to get a better idea of how they're how they will fare in a changing world and um, if you look at species such as walrus in the north pole what you see there is they have um, shown a preference for certain types of sea ice, for example, they like very angular sea ice rather than rounded sea ice, and that has a big implication because it's not just a case of is there sea ice or is there not sea ice when you're looking at the threat of climate change to a walrus, for example, you're starting to go, well, this has a very niche preference, and um, even if you have a certain type of sea ice, if it's not the one it likes, even that will impact its ability to adapt in a changing world. So it's just trying to figure out how these species can adapt to a changing world and what's their current status. Okay, so the the field work you've been doing for the last little while, that's going to let us have a far more idea when we're looking at these satellite uh, heat images or kind of UV images, what species exactly we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So w- will humans be counting these or is this being done by machine learning or how are you going to get an accurate number from obviously, <laughs> you know, huge, huge uh, mm-hmm. file sizes? Yeah, so these data sets that we're looking at extremely extremely big and as you've sort of hinted going through it manually you can spend hours looking at images of sea ice and not find any seals and it's one of the most soul destroying processes known to man to go through that so we're very interested in automating this and there's been some work 
um, by Heather Lynch's group and automating this using machine learning and there's been some promising results there <clears throat> but for the most part for me and my research because I don't come from a computer science background it's really the main focus is perhaps using the manual counts we have for the seal so seals we've already studied manually but doing it over small study sites in lots of different habitats to try and get an idea of what the habitat preferences are of different seal species in small study sites perhaps areas where we're seeing large changes in climate change for example along the Antarctic Peninsula where we're currently based or Signey Island where you're having these big reductions in sea ice and you're having this southward increase in the range of non-sea ice sort of specialist species so that's the fur seals and the elephant seals and sort of getting an understanding of what's the interplay between the competition between these species as well as the change in habitat um how that's going to impact your antarctic seal species and using satellite imagery to sort of gauge what's going on there but then also looking at more stable sites that you have um perhaps say on the east antarctic uh, where um the same sort of signal we've seen from climate change along the peninsula and along in Sign and uh, Signy Island and the other sub-Antarctic islands isn't very evident there yet and just getting an idea of how these species can um how they differ over sort of small study sites which are representative of differing habitat regimes essentially. So the fieldwork you've been doing for the last uh, two weeks you've been getting five meters away from Elephant seals, mm -hmm. Weddell seals, mm -hmm. crab eaters, yep. and fur seals. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Have I missed any? That's it so far. So really all the species I want to get are, well, all of the Antarctic seals. So that's elephant seals, that's fur seals, Weddells, crab eaters, Ross and leopard. Unfortunately, Ross, um, I haven't seen any. And according to one of the boating officers, he thinks he may have spotted one last week and apparently there is one that's known to be in the region but it's seen very infrequently and the other species which I haven't been able to measure is the leopard seal and it was very frustrating actually because on my second day here looking outside of my office window at the Bonner lab I could see a leopard seal on an ice floe with a crab eater two of the seals I wanted to study but uh, yeah, no, unfortunately I was stuck in induction training so I couldn't just hop on a boat and go out and survey them. So I haven't, I've got all, all of the species I'm after except for Ross and Leopard. But Ross, I, I didn't think I would get anyway and the Leopard, well, I, I thought that would be um, very hit and miss. So I'm quite happy with what I've managed to get, especially the fur seals because I thought they would be a little bit too feisty for me to be able to approach them. But with a lot of tiptoeing and sneaking, we have managed to get them. And, um, you know, very fortunately, you were out with me this morning um, while we were sneaking around looking for fur seals. And we managed to get some what seems to be quite good data on the fur seals while we had a nice, big, bright, sunny day. For our listeners, uh, this is pretty much uh, exactly what Prem and I were doing uh, earlier this afternoon. We had the five meter pole, we had a laptop and uh, a sheet of white material for calibration purposes. And we did sneak around some rocky beaches, trying not to make too much sound on fur seals as they were napping in the sun. We managed to get some quite good data off of those. So uh, it'll be useful to, uh, it'll be cool to see how useful that is. Yeah, well, I have to say a very annoying thing about fur seals is they have very heightened senses very feisty, a bit nervy, and um, they prefer to be in rocky areas 
rather than sea ice areas. So just walking over there with a light foot and not making any noise is really, really difficult. But um, yeah, no, I'm quite impressed that we managed to get a few because in the first week we sort of accepted that it wouldn't be possible. But by the time we had really gotten grips to what we were doing and got the methodology down, we were able to sort of incorporate our sneaking and find one or two sleeping little fur seals. So yeah, it's worked out quite well. So you're heading home on Monday. Mm -hmm. You're going to take this data that you've uh, managed to gather while you're down here. And uh, how long do you think till you're able to uh, to show some results from this? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure because I've never analysed spectral data before. It'll be my first time doing it. A colleague of mine is doing a very similar study. Uh, so one of my supervisor students, Hannah, she studies whales from space and she's looking at the spectral reflectance of whales and she collected some uh, basically samples, frozen samples of whale skin, which were uh, extracted from, I think, just washed up whales. And she took, I think it took roughly a year to go from actually doing the study to having the data written up in a paper. And I think the paper was released just today on that, I believe. So perhaps it could be a year. I'm not totally sure, but... To get a rough idea of if there is a difference, um, it'll be quite quick. And I guess one result is no one's ever collected the spectral reflectance of Antarctic seals. So in, a, in essence, we have a result already in that we've done something that no one has done yet. That's a potentially a useful tool for various other applications as well. I'm sure people could find lots of uses for that. Yeah, I mean, the hope is uh, not only will this allow you to really get a better idea of whether or not the seals in your satellite imagery are truly seals or not and perhaps a different species but perhaps this is something we can add to drone setups and at the British Antarctic Survey we have something called a Prion uh, free UAV which is a fixed wing drone essentially a small aeroplane that has a flight time of 13 hours I believe and what I really would like to do is come back next year and do a similar study but from an airborne application point of view so putting these sensors into a drone or a twin otter and trying to scale that up to that intermediate interface between um, on the ground and satellite which is the aerial realm and looking to see if we can begin to do automated seal surveys across the peninsula using our very very fancy drone. That's exciting. I mean, I know that the uh, penguin aero, aero survey that happened this season was a big success. Mm -hmm. So if we can do the same thing for seals, that would be, uh, that'd be quite exciting. Yep. Yep. It'll be sort of uh, working off the sort of resources in the background that's been set up by the very successful penguin surveys and to sort of keep the ball rolling and incorporate seals into that program. That would be really good. Prem, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Okay. No, thank you. It's been a great pleasure. And uh, hopefully... If you come down in a year or so, or if I uh, run into you in Cambridge, we can do a follow-up episode and uh, find out how the project's going. That would be awesome. You've been listening to Ice World, a podcast on behalf of the British Antarctic Survey. If you want to learn more about the survey's work in Antarctica and beyond, please visit our website at www.bas.ac.uk. Thank you for listening.